Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 24 on the excitement and enthusiasm of Isaac and Rebecca meeting for the first time and what we can learn about their love for each other by their actions. Now, Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism ministry reaching lost Jewish people. He has a campaign that's going to be starting on Monday, May 11th, an outreach to the Jewish people in 14 U.S. and Canadian cities with 108 missionaries. We'd like to support 110, but we need your support. If you'd like to donate and support Jewish evangelism and the gospel going to the Jew first, you can call us and support this Bible teaching radio program and this campaign coming up by calling 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org for more information or to donate. Well, okay, let's start. It's good to see everybody here today. Welcome. Welcome all to you. And um, it's good to be in God's house with God's Word and God's Spirit to help us. And um, it's wonderful this morning. If you'd like to turn in Genesis 24, we're going to, Lord willing, we may finish this chapter today. That would be a first, huh? We're going to start in verse 61. And before we do, Genesis 24, verse 61, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, your, your love to us that you, you left us not without your word, to teach us, to guide us, to help us, to encourage us, Lord. And so we pray that as we read and study your word this morning, that you do all those things for us and show us most of all our Lord Jesus, who we love in in your precious name. Amen. Genesis chapter 24, verse 61. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lachairoi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the eventide, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel, for she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. And as you can see, that word death is in italics, so it's just after his mother's. So in our last study in verse 62, we saw in this verse where it says, and Isaac came from the way of the well, the Chiroi, and we saw the importance of that well for Isaac as the, as the word. We looked at the word. We just uncovered it, not, just broke it open, Lahiroi, which means the living one who sees me. And we saw how that well got its very important name when Hagar and her son Ishmael were about to die from thirst, and they found this well of water. And there she stayed, and she, would, she wouldn't go on from it. And that well was for her a life-saving well to Hagar. When God found her in the desert, by that well, and he spoke to her. That's the time when she gave that name, Lahiroi. She said, that's the well of the living one who sees me. I mean, just think about what that well meant to Hagar there. I mean, there she was, and she was dying of thirst. She would have died in thirst in the desert, and they, they, she desperately needed water to save herself, and, and the meager water that she had when she left, it was all gone, and now she's in the process of this slow, agonizing death unless she stayed there. 
And, 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 but she found this well of water, and she stayed by it, and, and the well represented life for her. And so when Hagar really found this well, she moved from death to life, and she, and she wasn't going to leave it. She just was staying there, and, 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 and that's where God found her and spoke to her, and then she said, that's a well of the living one who saw me in my need. And then he advised her to go back. Now that picture there, that well, that picture, that's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, before we came to the Lord Jesus Christ, we were in our own desert, our own desert of death. And the little amount of water that we had, we tried to satisfy our deepest longings in our soul, that had run out. And our souls were thirsting to death. Our money wasn't enough to satisfy the thirst of our souls. Our popularity, our fame, our entertainment, our, our, our pleasures, this all wasn't enough to satisfy the thirst of our souls. And then we found the Lord Jesus Christ, like we found a well, and, and, and he alone was enough to satisfy our, our souls and the thirst of our souls. We stayed with him, and we are staying with him. It's a picture of Hagar in the desert. But when Hagar was by that well, she, was, she had been driven out by Sarah, and, and, and she didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to do. And, and the Lord found her there and told her, go back. Go back. Go back to Sarah. Go return. And so she was so impressed that God saw her in her desperation, and so she gave that name. That's the well of the living one who sees me. And that name, the living one who sees me, is an instruction for us. It's a challenge to us. Because, because what better place do we have for ourselves than to be by a place called the one, the living one who sees me? I mean, we need to go to that well. We need to go to that well and plug in after that, after that title, you know, whatever our need is. You know, the, the, that's, that's, the, that's the place of thou living one who sees me in my sorrow. Thou living one who sees me in my loneliness. Thou living one who sees me in my anxiety. Thou living one who sees me in my fear. Thou living one who sees me in my failures. Thou living one who sees me in my guilt. Thou living one who sees me in my shame. Thou living one who sees me in my addiction, in my illness, in my old agedness, in my despair, in my depression. Thou living one who sees me in my turmoil in my home with a conflict with my spouse, thou living one who sees me with trouble in my job, with, with com- thou living one who sees me in my complacency, in my apathy, in my deadness of spirit to the things of God, thou living one who sees me in my death, thou living one who sees me just plug in whatever it is. That's the beauty of that name. So that name, it answers the question that the hymn raises, does Jesus care? Does Jesus care when my, when, when my heart is pained? Too, too deeply for mirth or song and burdens press and cares distress and the way grows weary and long? Does Jesus, Jesus care when my way is dark with a nameless dread and fear? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong? When my deep grief is, it, it, there is no relief? Through my tears flow, though, though my tears, they flow all night long. Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye? to the dearest on earth to me, and my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks, is it aught to him? Does he see? That's the way the hymn says. Does he see? The answer, thou living one seest me. That's why that well is so important. And whenever we feel any need, we need to do what Isaac did. Go to that well of the living one who sees me. And at that well, carry the need. Carry the need of our heart. And remember, God sees us. And so we read in verse 62, 
And Isaac came from the way of this well, the Chiroi, and, and we see Isaac coming from the well of the one, the living one who sees him. And we ask the question, what need did Isaac have? They need to be reminded that the living one was seeing him. And for, well, for Isaac, we know from the passage that his need was sorrow. This was a, he, was, he was a sorry lad. Yeah, right? Is that how you say it, Ken? Sorry, lad? <laughs> he was sorry for his mother's death. It's been three years, but the wound that was inflicted on him at his mother's death was as fresh today as it was three years ago when she died. You know, that wound of sorrow from his mother's death was bleeding just as strong today as it was three years ago when she died. And so he was sorry. He was a sorrow. He was full of sorrow. Uh, Isaac was, and he knew there's no better place to go for him to go with his sorrow than to the well-named thou living one who seest me in my sorrow. Thou living one who seest me in my sorrow over my mother's death. And for Isaac, this was an important place to be. Isaac had the need of anxiety. I mean, he knew what Eliezer was off to do. He knew that Eliezer had been sent by by his father to go find him a wife. Who wouldn't be a little concerned? And he knew that Eliezer was not going to come back with, with candidates for him to choose from. He was either going to come back with no bride, or he was going to come back with one bride. And, and, and that just kind of left Isaac just a little anxious over that. And, and so in his anxiety, you know, he, 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 he sings, Eliezer, Eliezer, make me a match. Well, he doesn't sing that. So, <laughs> but his deep anxiety... He goes to this well, best place. Thou, God, seest me in my anxiety. So as a remedy for his sorrow, as a remedy for his anxiety, Isaac takes the medicine of remembering that the living God saw him. And armed with this knowledge now, he goes on in verse 63, it says he went out to meditate. And we talked about how, how the, the sister of meditation is prayer. In fact, the Hebrew word for meditate here is, is suach. And in my fair city of El Cajon, which has become the second largest population of Chaldeans outside of Iraq, it's a good place for a Jewish boy to be, isn't it? And if you ask a Chaldean how to say prayer or pray in Chaldean, they, they use a very similar word for this. They si'ah instead of suach. It's a, it's a meditate. So we understand that Isaac's out there meditating in the field, and he's praying and that he's already calculated how much time, let's see, how much time should it have taken for Eliezer to reach my father's homeland? And let's see now, and how much time will it take for him to come back? And you know what? It could be any day now. could be any day now that that he's come back. So he's praying for the bride that Eliezer's going to bring back for him, and and, and we understand he's praying for this bride, and that's why the next verse, verse 63, is so meaningful, because it says, and when he lift up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. So he was praying for the bride that Eliezer's going to bring back. He's not only praying, he's lifting up his eyes. He's looking, he's looking, and he's praying and he's looking, he's praying, and he's lifting up his eyes, and that's a picture for us. That's a picture for us to how to pray. You know, just as Isaac is lifting up his eyes, so we should pray and look for the answer, you know, and, and expect that from God. I mean, two weeks ago, we prayed for, for God to heal John Nelson from his, his coma. He fell, and he was in a coma, and he didn't wake up, and, and they were going to pull the plug on Friday, and, and when they came in to pull the plug, he was awake, and I was surprised. 
You know, I shouldn't have been because we prayed. But, but why was I surprised? Because I prayed and I wasn't looking. So looking for an answer is a very important part of prayer. That aspect of praying and looking for an answer was graphically told to us by Habakkuk in Habakkuk 2.1 when he said, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower. I will watch to see what he will say unto me. See, in that statement, Habakkuk, he uses these words, stand, watch, set me, watch. And the second watch is different from the first watch in Hebrew, even though it's translated the same as watch. And then see. So first Habakkuk says that he's going to stand, which means that he's, he's going to position himself in a certain orientation that enables him to see, to stand there. And then when Isaac went to the field to meditate, you can be sure that Isaac didn't go to some you know, hidden part of the field. He positioned himself where he could get a good look off there at the horizon. Then Habakkuk says he watches he watches, meshmeret. In other words, it's, it's, like, it's a word for sentry. So he's like on sentry duty is what he means there. And he's saying that as he's praying, he's on sentry duty, watching back and forth, looking for an answer. And he's not like our guards in Ethiopia. You know, we have four guard towers and little on the walls up there and, and about, you know, 30-foot walkways either way from the, on the wall there are supposed to walk back and forth. And they don't know that we have... Uh, internet-based cameras on them, and so we take these pictures of them sleeping in the guardhouse, you know. So that's not doing a good job. But anyway, so, but, but that's not what he was doing. He's a sentry. And next, Habakkuk used the word set me. And set me, this is like he, he stationed himself to hear what God's going to answer. And then he uses the word watch, which is a different word from Mishmaret, the first one. This is Safa. And so what he's saying here, this one means to lean forward. So he's leaning forward, looking for the answer. And why did he do all this standing and this watching and this setting himself and, and leaning forward? Because he wanted to see what God was going to say. That's a picture of Isaac coming now in verse 62. It's a reminder the living God sees him. And so he prays in verse 63. And now in verse 63, he's also lifting up his eyes. Sure enough, answers to a prayer come as, behold, the camels were coming. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in just a moment here on Friendship with God. We want to encourage you, as we mentioned at the start of our program, to support Israel Restoration Ministries. Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. Being a saved Jewish person, he wants to reach other lost Jewish people just as the Lord Jesus Christ wants to reach his lost Jewish brethren. We're doing that with a campaign this summer of going and reaching in 14 different U.S. and Canadian cities lost Jewish people. We've got 108 missionaries going out. We need support for 110. Would you please send in your support? You can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org to support Jewish evangelism or call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051 and support the gospel going to lost Jewish people. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. Now we read in verse 64, it says that Rebekah lifted up her eyes. You know, a lot of eye lifting going on here. He lifts up her, his eyes, she lifts up her eyes. When she saw Isaac, and says so she lighted off the camel. I don't even know what that means in English, lighted off the camel. I mean, anyway, it floated off, yeah. <laughs> she was so light, she just floated off. So now our focus changes from Isaac to Rebekah. 
And we see that she's also anticipating looking for the man who's going to be her husband. And so she's lifting up her eyes. And so now we read that she sees Isaac and she lights off this camera. And so, this camel. And so, you know, the question is, you know, floating off, you know, did she sort of gingerly, in a ladylike manner, just slip off, you know, in a perfect you know, British dismounting of the beast, you know? <laughs> okay, so that's the question that's before us. What does that mean when it says she lighted off the camel, you know? So was it that way? The Hebrew word here is the word nafal. And, and to get a feeling for what this word nafal means, there's a couple of places where the word is used that gives us some insight. And the first is in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 7 and 8 where it's describing to the, to the Israelites that about uh, chasing their enemies. And it says, and you shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall. And that's the word nafal. They shall nafal before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight, and your enemies shall fall, nafal, by, fall before you by the sword. So how does an enemy fall by the sword? How does he fall on the ground to fall? It's not gracefully. He doesn't gracefully. Oh, you know, it's like a nice little. No, he falls. It's a big dramatic, a lot of drama. He falls. And another place that gives us insight into what this word nafal used is in Deuteronomy 22, verse 8, when God gives instructions for how the Israelites were to build their houses, and they build a new house, what should be on it, and especially up on the roof. And he says, now when thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy house, that thou bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall, nefal, is the word, nefal, if any man fall, nefal, from thence. So that's describing what happens to a person who accidentally falls off the roof of a house. That's not very graceful. It doesn't gracefully float down. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's an accident. He falls down. So when we got this fixed in our mind of a person falling off a roof, you know, it's like, oh, no, you know, he falls off the roof. Or a person who, 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 who has been struck by a sword and falls down. And so, you know, we got this in our mind, and we understand this is, this is the word that's describing how Rebecca got off the camel. And it's telling us she didn't get off the camel gracefully. It's, it's telling us that Rebecca threw herself off the camel. She nafalled off that camel like she was falling off a roof or she'd been hit by a sword. She sprang quickly off of that camel. She, she, she like catapulted off that camel. And, and Rebecca, she, she, she nafalled off that camel like a person falling from a sword or a person falling off a roof by accident. See, She threw herself off the camel. Now, God thinks that's very important for us to see. And, and, and so he, he plugged in that word nafal because, uh, to describe how Rebecca was getting off that camel. So, so we need to see that. We need to, we need to really ask the question, what does that mean? See, by describing to us in verse 64 the, 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 the typically fast, energetic Rebecca nafalled off that camel is telling us something very important about Rebecca. See, why did God take the time to tell us this and plug this word in in verse 64, describe this kind of violent way, so to speak, that she gets off the camel? 
because he wants us to see something about Rebecca. See, the best way to understand why Rebecca Nifal threw herself off that camel is to describe the opposite. Let's say that Rebecca didn't get off that camel and she stayed on there. Let's say that, that she just stayed on the camel when Isaac came out. So let's use an illustration to make clear what the kind of person that Rebecca was not. So here's Rebecca. She's still on the camel, and, and now this would be in keeping with, with what Rebecca might say when Isaac arrives. She might say, why didn't you come and get me yourself? You know, why did you send this, 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 this servant to come and get me? Aren't I good enough for you to trouble yourself to come and get me? I mean, why didn't you at least come one day journey out to meet me? I mean, why do you make me do all this journey alone with these disgusting servants of yours? <laughs> so, you know, if she stayed on the camel, that's what she, you know, be in keeping if she would have said, you know, she, she might have said, oh, has this been a rough trip? She goes, I says, it's just the heat, the dust, all the dirty desert dwellers we had to encounter on the way, and you know, what have you brought me to? You know, she said, that would have been staying on the camel, see? If she stayed on the camel, she might have said, I'm so homesick. Uh, you know, I can't believe I agreed to leave my family and people and home. For what? So to live in a tent? You know, to, I had a house to live in back home, not a tent. I was expecting so much more. Is this really it? I want to go back home. Now, if Rebecca stayed on that camel and, and, and made those statements, what kind of attitudes would she have had? Tell me, what kind of attitudes did I just reflect if Rebecca had said that? Okay, complaining. Ingratitude, good. Complaining, ingratitude, what else? Selfish, unthankful, what else? It's something that happens to your food when you leave it in the refrigerator too long. Spoiled, (laughs) spoiled, rotten. (laughs) And what else? Swollen up with pride, arrogant, stuck up, conceited, intoxicated with what? herself, her own self-importance, snobbish. That'd be her, see? So what's the opposite of all those things? What's the opposite of ungrateful, unappreciative, and unthankful? It's a really pretty easy question. <laughs> Grateful? <laughs> what's the opposite of unappreciative? It's really easy. Appreciative, right? <laughs> what's the opposite of unthankful? Thankful, very good, okay. See, what's the opposite of spoiled, arrogant, proud, stuck-up, snobbish, conceited? Well, (laughs) what's the opposite of pride? Humble, humility, humble, meek. See, the message that Rebecca would send of not being grateful, appreciative, thankful, of being proud, all came down to whether or not she stayed on that camel or not. And she saw that, and she wanted to send a clear message that she was grateful, she was appreciative, she was thankful, she was humble, she was meek. So she sprang off that camel. She threw herself off that camel because she knew it all came down to that. And so now we see that Rebecca now, in verse 65, she's asking a question. And for she had said unto the servant, what man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? See, we, we see her. She's asking a question. What man is this? See, in that question, we can see how she, she's been anticipating seeing Isaac. And we can imagine how she might ask that question all along the way, you know, as their trip is, what man is this? Because she's looking forward to, to meeting Isaac. And every time she said, what man is this? She was hoping that the answer is going to be, well, that's him. 
That's my, my master. That's Isaac right there. Freeze that picture in your mind. Freeze that picture in your mind. What man is this? Because that's a picture for us when we go to heaven. That's the picture that Fanny Crosby painted when, when she wrote that hymn, My Savior, first of all. When she said, oh, the dear ones in glory, how they beckon me to come, our parting at the river, I recall, to the sweet vales of Eden, they will sing my welcome home, but I long to meet my Savior, first of all. Through the gates of the city in a robe of spotless white, not bad. He will lead me where no tears will ever fall. In the glad song of ages, I shall mingle with delight, but I long to meet my Savior, first of all. See? Do I, do I, do, do, did she want to? Do I want to? Do you want to see the dear ones in glory who's parting at the river you recall? Yes, but we long to see our Savior, first of all. See? Do we want to go to the gates of the city and, 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 be, and, and have this robe of spotless white and be in a place where no tears will ever fall and, 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 and mingle with the light? Yes, of course, but we long to see our Savior, first of all. See, what did Rebecca's question in verse 65, what man is this tell us about Rebecca? Did she want to see the new land that, she, that would be her new home country and the tent where she was going to live in and meet her new family? Yes, but she longed to see her Isaac, first of all. So by these two statements about Rebecca, where she, she throws herself off the camel and she asks, what man is this? We're seeing Rebecca that's going to be a submissive and an obedient wife for Isaac. Another unique message from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Support this Bible teaching radio program, Friendship with God, staying on your station and your city. You can do so by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Donate online and download free messages and free resources and free materials. And support Friendship with God at friendshipwithgod.org or Call us directly with your tax-free nonprofit donation to Friendship with God, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051.